This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Bob Comsick. Good afternoon and happy Thanksgiving. How's your final holiday weekend before Christmas been so far? Some had their traditional feast on Saturday, some yesterday, like our family, and kudos to my wife and Master Chef Sandy, who continually outdoes herself and to no one's surprise, but to everyone's delight. Well done. Others will sit down and have trouble getting up this afternoon, of course, but before we pass around the stuffing and cranberries, we'll have some Thanksgiving leftover ideas, both in experts and yours, if you have any that you'd care to share. First, though, While holidays are normally a pleasurable time, memorable time, tragedies don't take a holiday. Sometimes they happen during them. Maybe you know someone who suffered a loss on such an occasion as today. Maybe it was or is you. Then Laura Farenthold knows what you, they have, or are, or what you're going through. A mother and writer whose career includes working for the New York Daily News, Women's World. Laura's on the line to talk about her book, The Pink Steering Wheel Chronicles. Her story, her two teenage daughter stories about loss of her love, husband, and their father, and how they went about trying to understand and heal. Laura, good afternoon. Good afternoon. And how are you on this day? Well, happy Thanksgiving to Canada. That's right. You're a few weeks away, but thank you. Four weeks away. I'm in New York City, so we have, I have some time to prepare the turkeys. Oh, that's good. Listen, when did uh, when did and how did this chapter of your life, your daughter's lives, begin? Take us back. Well, my book, The Pink Steering Wheel Chronicles, as the title suggests, is fun. It's it's about resilience. It's about driving an RV for thirty two thousand miles across the United States and Canada. Um, unfortunately, sprinkling my husband's ashes, the girl's father's ashes, but fortunately, the RV helped us heal. How so? You know, because while we traveled everywhere, you know, we, we drove through our grief by experiencing different places and climbing mountains and meeting people, and it allowed us to heal in the most positive of ways. Let's face it, what you did, what your daughters did, how many people do that? You could probably count them on a hand, maybe on a finger. So what gave you, what pushed you to do this? What made you, or what happened, or what made you sit down and think and say, you know, the way to deal with this is this way, and girls, we're doing it, and here's what we're doing. Like, what was it? What came about? happened a little bit more organically. I just, my husband had um, had a massive heart attack on Thanksgiving, and we were traumatized. We just, I just didn't know what to do. 
Um, he was a big journalist with Bloomberg News who had foretold the financial crisis and had been in the process of suing the Federal Reserve to open their bailout books. When the case was in the Supreme Court, he just dropped dead. It was horrible. So I wanted to escape everybody who was being nice and bring us casseroles. And I just needed time alone with my kids. So we went camping out west. And we ended up buying this beat-up old RV on the side of the road. And the trips just took on a life of their own from there. As you said, most people would, you know, not welcome, but appreciate the support that they would get in a case like this. But you just wanted to stand back and just make it about the three of you, thinking about your father, exactly your, your husband and their father. That is exactly it. I think, you know, because his death was such a public event, such a public thing, and I'm actually pretty shy, um, <laughs> it, just, it felt like the right thing to do, and I wanted my kids and me to be able to stand on our own feet. And the only way I could see doing that was by climbing mountains. Literally. Um, literally. Like, we loved Canada. We spent a lot of time there. Um, you know, we rode... Was big rafts in the Bay of Fundy, and I'm a little scared of water, so that was good for me. <laughs> um, we went back to Prince Edward Island, where my mom had taken us, actually, when she and my father got divorced. So it was kind of like a circle of life thing, and we spent a ton of time there. Um, we went, we met people and went to a goat farm in Cape Breton, mm-hmm. which was Kempthead. And we learned how to milk goats, and we stayed on this family farm and helped them with the family wedding, drove all through the Cabot Trail, um, just, you know, fun things. Like in Quebec, I can't pronounce it, is it Les Palisades? I'm not... I don't know, we climbed a 1,200-foot mountain. Okay. To sprinkle their dad's ashes at the top. You know, everything was always with guides, but it was better than therapy. Now, you didn't just do this in Quebec, meaning with the ashes. You, you did this here, there, everywhere. Is that how it worked, or was there just everywhere. one look? Everywhere. We ended up driving for 31,000 miles across the United States and Canada over the course of five trips, which I would have to save up for, you know. Right. Um, we're, not, we're not wealthy. <laughs> but we just had the passion to get out there and, you know, put him back where he belonged, which is, you know, I say it sounds dramatic, you know, in the arms of America and Canada, because he was fighting for, I guess, like our rights, our taxpayers' rights when he died. So I felt like that was a better thing to do than to bury him in one place. Yeah, tell us a little bit more about your your late uh, husband, as his name quite possibly might not resonate with many listening now. So again, tell us, and I know you touched on it, and just uh, so that we don't skim over it and others maybe only caught the essence of what you're saying about him, but some of his efforts and uh, how some of his uh, efforts, I'm sure they've heard about and you talked about the uh, financial crisis, etc. in the in the U.S., Right. His name was Mark Pittman, and he was a big journalist with Bloomberg News who was suing the Federal Reserve because they were taking money from taxpayers to put aside in case we had a major financial collapse and the banks had to close. Mm -hmm. Do you think think his work and just 
what he was in, involved with in that. Do you think that kind of that took a toll literally on him and ended his life? Do you think it was a factor? I think it was a huge factor. Um, you know, stress can be hidden, and that's another reason why the girls and I got out of our environment because it was less stressful for us. You know, we, we created an adventure out of his death, if that makes sense. So that when they looked back at their lives and that night on Thanksgiving, they would have other experiences that were as big as that to draw strength from. So if you can climb a 1,200-foot mountain or if you can go rafting in the Bay of Fundy or, you know, do all the crazy things that we did, it makes you more resilient, right? Mm-hmm. So you obviously got the ball rolling here. Your idea with the trip, girls, let's go. I'm uh, I'm assuming there were they were all in. You didn't have either one or both of them being a little reluctant, wanting to do what most people would do, would be to stay with family and friends and, and grieve that way? I mean, we did a lot of that, too, but then we just got to do our own independent family time, which I thought was very, very important for our healing. And these, we, did, we did both. And these tri- lots of family, lots of friends, and lots of miles. Okay, and these trips uh, would be, you said you took several of them over the course of obviously not weeks, but I'm assuming in, in some cases maybe some months. How did it work? Give us an idea. Um, I would take, I would save all my money and do, you know, little side jobs and stuff, have a pot of gold, and then take the time off of work, unpaid, and just go. How long so would you... Sometimes, you know, it was two weeks, sometimes it was a month. And, yet, and then because I'm a journalist, it just ended up that, you know, people were saying, oh, you should write a book, you should write a book. And we had the pink steering wheel cover that we put on the RV when we bought it. We call him Harvey the RV. So then the title of the book became The Pink Steering Wheel Chronicles, which is a personal journey, but it also has a huge universal message that is resonating with people a lot. The books are selling like crazy. And what's the the message? Well, you have to read the book. I know. Give us a give us a little bit of an idea, just just a bit. We're well, gonna... the message is, I think, that as I always tell my girls, you have to be happy with what you have, and not cry for what you want. That's one of my little scenes with them. Mm-hmm. Um, that we need to all appreciate what we have while we have it, because you don't know when it could be gone, mm-hmm. and you don't want regrets. And family's super important. Love is important. And adventure. Now, how are you, because it, it sounds like given the, the number of trips and how you would, you know, take it for a few weeks here and there, still to put up as many miles, kilometers that you did in in those trips, it's like, yeah, it's like you, you didn't sleep. It doesn't sound like you slept much. <laughs> Well, I've never driven an RV before, I can tell you that. And we definitely, you know, we tripped along the way, you know, literally like learning how to build campfires. And, you know, if, if one of the tires blew on the RV, you know, the girls that were out there changing them. Mm-hmm. You know, we really, we built a lot of backbone. So um, we definitely had, you know, these car fights and we ended up picking up this 
dog on an Indian reservation who traveled with us. Um, and it just, it just created beautiful experiences and things that we could draw upon. Now, you said you went uh, across the U.S., across Canada, first of all, in your country. How many states did you cover? You know, I never did, but I know the ones that I would love to go to that we didn't hit. Um, we didn't get deep into California. Um, we didn't get into British Columbia. And those are two places that I think that we would love to go to. But we're done sprinkling Mark fashion. Mm-hmm. That, you know, that part of our lives, we put him, we laid him to rest, if you will, in a field of sunflowers in Kansas. And that's where he was born. And that sunflower field had special significance in our lives. How so? Family, so? How so? Um, that's where he had proposed to me. Hmm. So. Yeah, that's, um, that kind of says it all there, doesn't it? In the silence that followed that, uh, that remark, I think, kind of explains uh, just the depth of your, your affection still to this day. Absolutely. You know, our families and our husbands and our wives, and whether they're deceased or ex or, you know, upside down, whatever, um, we're all human, and we all need to really appreciate each other and treat each other well and with respect. And, you know, I would give anything, anything to have him back, but I can't have him back, and I can't sit here and cry about it every day, so... You have to, you know, stand up straight and brace yourself. Which is what he would want anyway, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Now, tell us, you know, with the, the amount of miles that you covered and you said you were, it was suggested about writing a book, that isn't something that, that came immediately. I guess that would, when you would come back from your various trips, that's when maybe some of your colleagues put that uh, bug in your ear, or was that something that you also were thinking about, given the fact that your background being a journalist and you're out there on the road anyway, you're experiencing things and 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 stories and, and people that you it didn't take much to persuade you or was that kind of uh something you were thinking about underneath all along that you you might put it to 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 paper you know it's no i never really thought of doing it because it was such a private thing and it was just i can't explain why i think i was just resistant because i was not trying to commercialize our experience at all um, and especially, you know, his notoriety, if you will. But and I couldn't figure out why I kept doing it. Why did I keep driving? What was driving me to continue doing these trips, right? Mm-hmm. And after we had sprinkled him in his private home in Kansas, in the little creek that he had played in as a kid, you know, with frogs and his brothers and throwing mud pies at each other. And then getting him in the sunflower field, we came home, and something absolutely astounding happened. What's that? Which is that I found his journals that were in the filing cabinet that we had shared for, like, 15 years. And I'd never seen them. And the journals basically are what 
compelled me to write this book because there's a spiritual aspect to it. To his Not religious, to spiritual. his yeah, to his writings. Yes. And I know they can see so much more and learn so much more by reading it, but is there some or one that comes to mind when I just put it to you, a question in terms of one of those uh, notes, remarks, thoughts, sayings that he had or had that you that you saw in print that uh, maybe that you carry with you to this day and periodically it just pops out of nowhere and uh, you can you can hear those words. Even though he might not have verbally said them to you, but you see them written, but you could actually hear him saying that. Anytime that kind of catches you off guard? Uh, very much so still. And it was more, like, more almost like omnisciently narrating our emotional experiences and just, you know, what we were going through and places that we went down to... I'm looking at the dog that we took off the Indian reservation that followed us. He'd written about a yellow dog on the exact Indian reservation that we were on, which has 3 million acres and a tiny little gas station. And I have no idea why I drove seven hours out of our way to go to this little gas station cultural center. And he had written about it already. Wow having been there. And the coincidences, or whatever you want to call them, still give me chills. I just got them. Yeah, so did I just now. I, I hear you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I look at the dog every day, and my friends used to tease me. They'd say, you think the dog is Mark, don't you? It's not that the dog is Mark. <laughs> but the dog ended up having cancer. We didn't know it. And I saved the dog. I can't, it was only supposed to take three chemotherapy treatments. It took 19. And my friends are like, why are you spending all of your money saving this dog? I said, I don't know. I said, it would be like putting your grandfather on the side of the road and driving away. Mm-hmm. And then when I found those journals and read that, oh, my gosh. Laura? So every chapter of my book opens with an excerpt from his journal that specifically relates to what we're doing at that point. At that point. Or Yes. Laura Farenthold, author, Pink Steering Wheel Chronicles, a love story. Thank you for, uh, for this. And as I said off the top, there could very well be someone out there who's gone through something somewhat similar, not identical, obviously. And, uh, they might benefit from uh, from this read in terms of helping them move on and forward. Laura, thanks for oh, your time. Absolutely. Even if you're just taking a family road trip, it's hilarious to read this book. <laughs> there you go. Laura, again, Laura Farenthold, thanks so much. Thank and, you. And I know it's a few I know it's a few weeks early, but a, a happy Thanksgiving to you and the girls to, uh, Thank for your you Thanksgiving. So okay. All right. All right. There you have it. You're listening to Fight Back with myself, Bob Comsick, filling in for Libby's Nimer here on Thanksgiving Monday. And speaking of Thanksgiving, yes, we're going to talk some food. We're also going to talk about planting, maybe not necessarily uh, food, but uh, we will do a little bit of uh, getting into the garden and getting our knees dirty. So we'll do that next on Zuma Radio. 
You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.